Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Galan Says Podcast available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, but available live only right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Galan Says. If you're on Twitch, you can interact with me in the moment and I will answer any question you ask. I will also respond to anything you say mid-topic and sometimes I'll drift off on extremely long side tangents that you will find tiresome. It is Monday, March 21st of 2022. First off, Shout out to the Cougs. I'm wearing a running game clothing Coug shirt right now. And good God, that team plays basketball like men. And I know they took advantage of a bullshit technical foul called in their win over Illinois. And that after that call, they went on a 22 to 11 run. But as someone who loves old fashioned man style, being a hardo, rebounding, playing hard defense, being over physical as someone who loves that as opposed to all the offensive shit in basketball these days. I love this team and I'm really happy that they made it onto the sweet 16. Kelvin Sampson's doing a hell of a job. So go off, sir, take your shirt off, show it to the boys in the locker room. Let it be on television. A little weird that there's televisions allowed in the locker room, right? I'm not exactly sure what the policy is for bringing that camera in, especially when, you know, you got Kelvin Sampson go taking his shirt off there. I suppose it could have gotten a little bit weirder. In that locker room, maybe they knew that there were going to be cameras in there for that moment. But it was sick to see that, and hopefully they'll be able to keep it up. Uh, Baylor, whoops, they're a dreadnought. I'm glad I didn't fill out a bracket because I would have had Baylor going all the way to the final. Uh, Texas, also, they got clipped. Uh, the Zags, still alive, so that's at least neat. And also Texas Tech. So all the schools of people that I know and listeners that may root for some of these schools. Most of them still alive, but a couple of them got <laughs> clipped over the weekend. It's an interesting weekend. The first thing I want to touch on before I dive into what happened with the Houston Astros is the passing of John Clayton, who was a coworker of mine at 710 ESPN Seattle. Um, I only knew him for two years, but he was a part of my show every single day at 715. And we got into plenty of back and forths. The amount of things that we yelled at each other over, there was a long list. I got to say, though, I respected him for always coming after me when he disagreed with an opinion and also for keeping it really classy off the mic. This is a guy who was one of the first people to reach out to me when I got let go. A guy who offered me basically any help that he could possibly give me when I was let go. It really meant a lot. That he did that. It's a weird situation for me, especially when I got that one hour show where essentially I'm replacing John as having his own daily show. I, I didn't want that. It was awkward. Felt like it was kind of, you know, dropped upon me without any really rhyme or reason. And I kind of had to deal with all of the fallout that came of it. That was not my fault, but who cares about any of that stuff? I, I think what you really need to know about John is how much he cared for his wife, Pat who had MS, multiple sclerosis. That's something that my aunt Betty dealt with for a really long time before she eventually passed away. It is an unbelievably debilitating and terrible disease. And he stuck with his wife and was an un, just unbelievable supportive rock throughout all of it. And he cared about her so deeply. And, you know, I, I like to think that when someone passes away, we, we look at the best traits that they have and we wonder how we can apply them to our day-to-day -day life. Uh, John showed a 
level of loyalty that of course is expected out of every single spouse and something that obviously I don't understand seeing as I've never been married, but what he did for all of those years with his wife, it's incredible. My, my thoughts go out to Pat, who was a wonderful woman and everybody who knew John Clayton. And honestly, all you needed to do was just take a look at all of the unbelievably kind things that were said about him over the week. I'm not going to lie. You know, had me a little shook up on Friday, had me a little shaken on Saturday, but I, I also want to give, you know, my old employers over at 710 ESPN Seattle, a lot of credit for what they did immediately rolling out a awesome tribute show to him. The podcast is up online and there's a link on my Twitter at Galan says where you can find said podcast. I, I encourage you to give it a listen. There are a lot of really funny moments with John Clayton when he was at seven ten. I, I think his never ending war against, um, <laughs> the goons at AT&T who are always fucking up his TV service is one of the funniest feuds that I can ever remember. Um, and also, you know, uh, Maura Dooley, my, my old producer at 710, put up a link, and it's for the um, uh, MS Society of America. That's a great way to remember John, because he was doing a lot for them, um, obviously because of his wife, Pat. So um, obviously a little bit of a morbid start, but Clayton was a good dude. He was good to me, and he was a hell of a reporter. I mean, he was doing what he was doing for such a long period of time. So he's obviously going to be missed. And uh, Instant Karma 206 says, RIP, Professor. Amen to that. Um, so uh, now we just transition, shift over into the thing that, honestly, I didn't even know happened until, I don't know, like five, six hours after it had taken place. But the Houston Astros and Carlos Correa are no more, which is a surprise, right? You know, with the way that things were going, you didn't hear anything about Carlos Correa for a really long time. And I was of the opinion that, the Astros would find some way to bring him back, probably on some sort of a short-term deal. So I assumed when I heard that the Minnesota Twins had signed Carlos Correa that whatever he ended up being re-signed for was something that probably wasn't, you know, reachable for the Astros. Something ridiculous. 10 years, $350 million, something like that. No. That wasn't the case. The contract that Correa signed with the Twins, per Mark Berman of Fox 26, Three years, $105.3 million with opt-outs after the first two seasons. You fucking kidding me? You couldn't match that? What the hell happened? How do you not match that? And I know that some of the people that listen to this podcast and watch this podcast online, twitch.tv slash Galan says, you're probably a Mariners fan and you're like, fuck yeah. If you're an Astros fan, this is, this is something that... I, I can't comprehend. Hell, you know, if I'm the Seattle Mariners and I see this contract signed, I know you like J.P. Crawford and maybe you, you you feel like you're fine in the infield right now. But, I mean, the Mariners could have matched this. Three years, $105.3 million with opt-outs after the first two seasons? I mean, where's the risk here? Especially if the Mariners are putting their chips into the middle of the table. And I'd say with the Astros, you've been to the ALCS five years in a row. You really think Jeremy Pena is going to be able to be anything like Carlos Correa? Maybe eventually, maybe. And keyword by maybe, I mean probably not. Three years, $105.3 million. That's too much. So the, the question that I have, and if you're watching right now on Twitch, you can answer it yourself in the comments section. Outside of things getting personal between Jim Crane and Scott Boris, what's a legitimate reason for the Astros letting Carlos Correa walk? Because I can't fucking think of it. Seriously, what is it? And then I saw this tweet from John Granado. From ESPN 97.5, my old TV show co-host on uh, Just Saying on Q57, RIP Q57. And also, John hosts the show right before me on ESPN 97.5. He tweeted this out. The Astros ghosted Carlos Correa this week. James Click, general manager of the Houston Astros, said he would get back to them and never did. 
and Jim Crane did not respond at all to Scott Boris's text. Think about that. So Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, didn't respond to a Scott Boris text. To me, there's only one way to read this. Clearly, things got personal between the two. And I kind of get it. You know, go back to the 2020... Go back to the 2019 World Series, where Garrett Cole, immediately after Game 7, is in the locker room, essentially doing his farewell to Houston while wearing a Scott Boris hat. I would have been pissed off if I saw that I'm Jim Crane, especially after all I had done for Garrett Cole, revitalized his career, paved the way for him to eventually get paid by the New York Yankees. And here's this Hessian immediately after the game, a hired gun wearing a Scott Boris hat. That would piss me off. And maybe there are other things that are going on behind the scenes. You know, I, I don't know what was going on in the negotiations between the owners and the players. I know that Scott Boris, for a lot of people, people believe that he was behind a lot of the things that the players were pushing for. He's a really smart guy. I, I don't blame the players for bringing him into the conversation and talking with him about maybe what their best plan of action is. But I just can't help but think that this turned into a dick measuring contest between Jim Crane and Scott Boris. And that can't happen if you're an owner. You can't get petty. You can't let things get personal. And I hope I'm wrong. And I don't think we'll ever actually get the truth as far as why things broke down between the Astros and Carlos Correa. But three years, $105.3 million. You really think that the Carlos Correa team, squad, posse, entourage, whatever the hell you want to call it, you really think his court, you think that they did not come back to the Astros to show him the offer? You really think Carlos Correa wants to go from Houston to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where it's freezing cold at the beginning of baseball season? Do you really feel like that was something that he wanted to do without any fight at all from the Astros? I doubt it. I bet he came back to them. I, other, maybe I'm wrong, but I have a really hard time buying into that. And to see that from John Granado that they ghosted him, look, I, I'm not even going to put this on James Click. I would put this on Jim Crane. Jim Crane hired after Jeff Luno got fired. James Click away from the Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, I can't help but think if you're going to hire somebody from the Tampa Bay Rays, of course the person's smart, but that person is also somebody that you look at and is are probably thinking to yourself, this person's always going to operate in a financially responsible manner. Sorry, if you have been to five straight American League Championship Series, you can't operate that way. You aren't the pores of baseball. As things go right now, you need to keep this run going. This is probably the best run that Astros will ever have. And you're just going to let it end like this? I'm not saying that Carlos Correa walking means it ends, but you've been to five straight ALCS, and this is a deal that does not hamstring you for 10 years. This is not going to turn into what we have seen in the AL West with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, of California, of... United States of America, of North America, formerly a Pangea of planet Earth. That is not something that you would imagine would be able to happen in three years. Ten years from now, sure. Three years, $105.3 million. It's a lot on an annual basis. But, I mean, what are you giving to Justin Verlander? Verlander's 40. And you gave him a deal similar to that. That gave you some short-term flexibility. I don't get this. I don't get it at all. And I need somebody to explain to me what is a reason that they would have let him walk. Because I just don't get it. I tweeted it out before John Granado's tweet. 
when it came to this. The Astros couldn't have matched this. And here are some of the responses I got on Twitter, at Kalan says. Nick Bakacha tweeted, it's three one-year deals. And if I was a GM, that would be my hang-up. I'd do one, but the second? I don't think he's a twin more than one season. Well, he might not be an Astro more than one season, right? I mean, if you got that many opt-outs, I feel like there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be gone after one year. And that way, Scott Boris can negotiate with you to get the biggest possible deal this coming offseason where maybe there's less free agents out there and there's not a bunch of CBA bullshit going on right before the start of the season that leads to a contract being signed in March as opposed to the time that they're normally signed, which is December, January, etc. Stephen Leak City says it's one year for $35 million. One year should not have been an obstacle for you. Really? Are you too proud to offer somebody one year because he's been here for a long period of time? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, some comments. Let's take a read. Uh, Instant Karma 206 says, DePoto better know what he's doing. I, I mean, look, I, I, I know that it's not been the sexiest, sexiest offseason, but uh, you, don't you like what the Mariners have done this far? And I mean, look, I, I get it. Over, over the years, it's been not exactly the most aggressive team but they traded for jesse winker who's a 300 hitter you have like none of those with 20 home runs last year eugenio sanchez okay he he barely hits over 200 and you've got a lot of problems with guys like that but that's a guy who also has 30 home run power uh, you got robbie ray this offseason you traded for adam frazier I, I feel like you've been pretty damn aggressive this offseason you know uh, Steph Larson says, LOL, Mariners fan here. Definitely happy Correa is gone. Pena has big shoes to fill. He can't fill them. Who the hell's filling those shoes? Uh, Instacarma206 asks, who's the winners of the offseason for baseball? Steph Larson says, got to be the Dodgers, right? Losing Seager, still found a way to have an all-star lineup. Pretty good. That's what happens when you have more money than God. Um, Instacarma206 says, yep, probably right. I mean, it's probably the Dodgers. It's interesting to see what the Red Sox did today. They signed Trevor Story. Um... I, I, I would say as far as things have gone thus far, I, I know who the losers are more so than I know who the winners are. Uh, I, I think the Yankees are massive losers this offseason. What, what is it that you've done? Oh, you brought in Josh Donaldson? He, he, he hates, if I'm not mistaken, he hates Garrett Cole. So, I mean, how's that, how's that going to work? I mean, I guess it's a pitcher. It's, it's a position player. But they don't like each other. Now they're on the same team. All right. We'll see. You can ask me anything as the show continues. And if you are just tuning in right now, make sure that you're generally tuned in three o'clock central time right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Galan says for the Galan says podcast. Other news in baseball today. It does have to do with the New York Yankees as they continue. I think to lose this off season. The headline reads MLB letter to New York Yankees about sign stealing allegations to be made public despite appeal. Uh, the story, a letter detailing a 2017 investigation into the New York Yankees will become a public document two years after a federal judge ruled it should be unsealed. I can't believe it's been two years on this front. I guess the pandemic maybe delayed things a little bit. But anyway, there was a lawsuit that was thrown against a bunch of MLB teams over daily fantasy ramifications from the electronic sign stealing in baseball. And the plaintiffs in a lawsuit alleged that a 2017 news release from 
Commissioner Rob Manfred hid the full findings of what baseball discovered the Yankees had done. The letter's impending release will reveal any differences between what Manfred said in public about his findings and what was revealed in private. The letter was essentially one from Rob Manfred to Yankees GM Brian Cashman, and supposedly it contains proof of the team's sign-stealing methods from 2017, when New York was busted for improperly using a dugout phone and the Boston Red Sox were found to be using Apple Watches to pick up on signals from opposing teams. So it's going to be at least two weeks until the letter is made public. But I, I guess part of the allegation is that the Yankees were doing things similar to what the Houston Astros were doing. They were using the Yes broadcast to help steal signs, sort of like what the Astros were doing, except for there were trash cans involved. I, I, I think that you might wonder why everything got so quiet after the sign-stealing scandal for the Astros as far as why everyone just all of a sudden shut up as far as active players go. We talked about Matt Holliday last week, who is a former player, talking about how he feels like his 2017 New York Yankees were robbed. It has been awful quiet on the stolen signs front for a really long time. And my opinion is that baseball told everyone to shut the fuck up. Just said, listen, no one's talking about it. And if you do, we're going to find your ass. We want people to move on. We want people to forget. And they thought, I bet, that they could perhaps keep this story in the dark about the New York Yankees. I'm of the belief that while the Astros were cheating harder than anybody else in baseball, that there were other teams doing it to lesser degrees. The Red Sox obviously were caught doing it. I think the Yankees were in on it. I think the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers were in on it. And I also think that the Texas Rangers were in on it. And there were probably more teams in on it. Because one of the things about sports and when it comes to cheating, just like with steroids, when one person does something, realizes that they can get away with it and feel like it gives them the kind of competitive advantage where they can't afford to be left behind, they're going to start doing it too. And I really think that all of baseball was doing it. I don't know why we are of the belief that only the Astros are doing it, and I feel like the Astros were made a scapegoat here. Rightfully so, perhaps. I mean, what they did can definitely maybe call into question everything that took place in 2017. But at the same time, I, I just don't buy into the idea that they were the only team doing it. They were probably a team that was just doing it to a much higher degree. Cheating is cheating. You know, when someone cheats in sports, generally they're going to be called a cheat, 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 and you don't really think about the nuance of that cheating. I, I would say we, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier today on ESPN 97.5 with Kelvin Sampson and the University of Houston I mean, the guy was making phone calls and people acted like that was a, just an absolutely disgusting thing. And they still call him a cheater. Oh, you can't root for this cheater onto the Sweet 16. Well, in, in the case of sign stealing, I think there's a lot of sign stealing going on. The degrees of which, in the eyes of some, don't matter. Maybe right now, because we feel like the Astros did so much more than everybody else, there is, I guess, a, a, a different standard that, that everyone else would have to meet to be thought of as cheating just as much as the Houston Astros were. But there's a part of me that just wonders about that damn thing and, and, and doesn't understand how anyone else who might have been implicated in science, like the Red Sox, no one made a big deal about that at all. This letter that the New York Yankees are trying to not have unsealed, you would think that all baseball fans, because they hate the Yankees and they hate their awful fans, you would think that they would be clamoring for it to be released. And we haven't heard anything about that from them either. So I am curious to see what is found here because I am of the belief that this was something that was taking place to varying degrees across all of baseball. And it really makes the Yankees look like, I think, hypocrites for being such whiny little bitches in the wake of that. And they were. They were such babies. Shut the fuck up. You know, like, you are probably a part of this in some way, shape, or form. You're just going to blame your losses on that of the Houston Astros? They're cheating. It's not on your bats. It's not on anything else. So that rubbed me the wrong way. But again... 
until we actually hear something that's coming out of this uh, story, I, I, I guess we don't know whether or not we can make a big deal out of it. I think most people in Houston would just say, look, Yankees, you know, while you're throwing the stones from uh, your glass house, remember that you too are in a glass house. I am looking forward to the revealing of this. This is, this is the sad thing, though. This is, all, this is all that Astros fans have to really, you know, look for right now. By the way, I, I don't know how many of you guys remember uh, this song from the old Galan Says podcast, but I feel like since we are talking a little Houston Astros baseball right, right now, it must be it's a good time to play it. I don't know. Why? Why? Who says it's only a game? When you want to, something all you got. It's something, it's something. It's the final shot. This is like the Astros theme song from the 80s on Fox, I guess. Maybe the early 90s. <laughs> Is this an amazing song? I really want them to bring this back. What a banger. Really, I, I hope that they bring that back. I love it. It's the only thing I can play to make me cheer up after Correa signs elsewhere. I'm really curious, too, how the Astros... Um, Mariners fan fandom that I have can operate this coming season. Can I be in an open baseball relationship? I don't know. Uh, Instant Karma 206 asks, why haven't the Texans Seahawks not signed a starting quarterback? Well, the Texans think that it's going to be Davis Mills, their third round pick from last year. Cool. You know, I, I don't really have the high expectations for Davis Mills that I guess some people do, but my answer for pretty much any young quarterback in the league, is he the guy? The answer is probably not. The Seahawks are really trying to push this idea that they're going to roll with Drew Locke. I don't know. I don't buy that either. I mean, Drew Locke's terrible. You can try to convince yourself otherwise. He has statistically had good games in the past, but it does feel like that's, the direction the Seahawks are trying to tell everybody they're going. Maybe that's so they can drive the price down for someone like Baker Mayfield, who maybe has to be released at this point in time. If no one can find him as a trade partner, because the Browns don't have any leverage right now. I don't know if you saw, but earlier today, a team that is in talk for in talks with the Browns about Baker Mayfield, asked Cleveland for a draft pick in exchange for taking on his contract. Which, if you remember, the Houston Texans sent to Cleveland when they were trying to dump Brock Osweiler's contract off of their roster. That's amusing to me. They traded a second-round pick to get his contract off the books. The Browns have no leverage with Baker Mayfield. I have a feeling that if Baker Mayfield is released, there'd be a a pretty reasonable market. Um, But one of the teams that we thought might be looking for a quarterback that was certainly looking for Deshaun Watson. They made a move today. The Atlanta Falcons traded Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts and they signed Marcus Mariota to a two-year deal. So clearly the Falcons are going into the season saying, screw it, let's see what happens with Mariota and we'll tank if it doesn't work out. 
$40 million a dead cap hit that the Atlanta Falcons will take for trading Matt Ryan. And all they get is a 2022 third round pick. The Colts, meanwhile, I mean, good God. You know, they traded a, they, they traded a first round pick, I believe, for um, Carson Wentz. And they have just been rolling through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback after um, Andrew Luck abruptly retired. They traded Carson Wentz to Washington for third-round picks in 2022 and 2023. I believe one of those can turn into a second-round pick. But, I, I, you know, the Falcons weren't getting a whole lot out of Matt Ryan of late. That's not to say that Matt Ryan is like a, is a husk at this point in time. But Matt Ryan has not been anywhere close to the same quarterback that he once was when he won the MVP since Kyle Shanahan left Atlanta to go join the San Francisco 49ers. It's just been a totally different guy out there. And, you know... I don't think that the Colts are going to be that much better with Ryan aboard. I suppose you could make the argument that they're the top team in the AFC South. Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go with you there. I, I just feel like it's a very low bar to clear. It's a Tennessee team that was somehow winning a lot of games despite all the injuries that they suffered, but might be still a team that was a little bit fraudulent last year just based off the way that things went. They were the one seed, and they were dispatched of not super easily by Cincinnati, but, I mean, Ryan Tannehill played like shit in that game. And obviously, the Bengals went on to win it. I just think the FC South is a, is a dumpster fire right now. Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Davis Mills, and Trevor Lawrence. And we'll see what happens with Trevor Lawrence. But I'm, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Trevor Lawrence, there's some questions about him as well at this point in time. Uh, what else do we got going on today on this? 21st of March, 2022. Could talk about my personal life for a little bit. Ask a lot anything. You could ask me anything. I have a question for y'all. And, and I guess I just need help on this going forward. What happens when there is somebody that you know that you are an acquaintance of? You're not like super close friends with, but you know them. And you see them out and about on the town. And they've definitely had a bit to drink. And they're just assholes to every single one of your friends. What's the appropriate measure? Especially if you tell that person in the moment, hey, stop. And they just give you a face. What do you do if that doesn't work? Because I think what's going to happen now in this current situation, which I found myself in on Saturday, where I kept on walking away from a group of people that I was hanging out with because this person was being such a you know what. I kept walking away. She kept following me and kept on saying Insert random comments to my friends. Oh, you're kind of fat, et cetera, et cetera. What do you do? Because all I knew what to do was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to block her on social media and just try to cut her out of the life. But like, if the person shows no remorse and is saying all of these things, am, am I am I an asshole for not leaving, I guess, the door open for her to apologize if she actually remembers what she did? Or should I just cut ties entirely? Because... The apology to me doesn't really matter, right? It's the apology to everybody else. What would you do in that situation? Honestly, I feel like I'm up for the better of just, just cutting her out entirely. Probably the smart move here. You can ask Galant anything. That is how this works on the Galant Says Podcast. A question, and this will be the last one. It comes from Instant Karma 206. One of the OGs. Are the Astros the favorite in the American League West? I think with Correa out, I don't think you can say anyone is definitively the favorite. I really like what the Mariners did this offseason, and I really like what they did last year. They couldn't score any runs. They didn't have the best, most dominant starting pitching, and yet 
that's just a scrappy baseball team. You get some of those younger players a little bit older. Maybe you see Julio Rodriguez this year. Jared Kelnick, I'm going to assume, is going to be better by default than he was last season. I feel like the Mariners are really close. The Rangers spent a lot of money. Eh, I don't really put a lot of stock into them. The A's are rebuilding. They're out. And the Angels are always this weird team where they're going to have super top-heavy players. You know, you got um, uh, Shohei Otani. You got Mike Trout. But ultimately, what does that give you in totality? Eh, not that much. That's going to wrap up today's edition of the Gallant Says Podcast. You can watch it live every afternoon, assuming I'm not filling in for double duty on ESPN 97.5 on another show. I've been filling in a lot for um, Jeremy Branham. Jeremy Branham on the Killer Bees over the last couple of um, shows because he's been off at the NCAA tournament. He is the voice of the Houston Cougars. That might be more. um, There might be more moments where I'm doing double duty later this week. Um, so we'll try to do the show at three o'clock central time, never a hundred percent know in advance. Um, but we're trying to do that. That's the target time. So if you want to join the movement, twitch.tv slash Gallant says is how you do it. Please subscribe. I believe that's the best way to be a part of this party. But if you're not someone like that, you can stay subscribed to the Gallant says podcast. It is on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud as well. You can watch this whole thing, youtube.com slash Paul Gallant. They'll have a clip up from the podcast too in case you don't want to watch the entire thing. Until tomorrow, 3 o'clock, thank you so much for tuning in to the Gallant Says Podcast. So long, farewell, and you'll hear me tomorrow. Peace!